0: The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today we have the honor of having with us Ivan Rosenberg, who's the founder of the Uniquely Abled Project and also the founder of so many other things we're going to hear about. Ivan, welcome.
1: Thank you. It's a delight to be here.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here. Now, why don't you introduce yourself to our differentbrains.org audience properly?
1: Well, I think the most important thing probably for your audience is that I am the father of two children on the autism spectrum, which is what got me interested in all this. in terms of uh, what I've done professionally, I started off as an engineer, which uh, led some people to suspect that maybe I am uh, somewhat on the spectrum myself uh, because I tend to like that kind of stuff. Uh, graduated uh, with an electrical engineering, computer science uh, degrees, and went out and worked for a while, went back and got a PhD in business. Uh, then I uh, was a professor for five years And then I consulted for many years, and now what I primarily do is consult with aerospace and defense companies, primarily the manufacturers, which led me to have a big insight as to the kind of workforce that those companies needed. And that combined with my knowledge of autism from my children, led really eventually to the Uniquely Able project.
0: Very interesting. Now, our uh, mutual friend, Temple Grandin, has told me, as she gives commencement addresses around the country to various universities who are graduating engineering students, that she estimates that about half of engineering graduates are somewhere on the spectrum. What's your guesstimate?
1: Well, if you look at the characteristics of uh, people that like engineering, uh, it's pretty black and white. The thing either works or it doesn't work. Um, It doesn't have a lot of the subtleties sometimes of dealing with human beings. Um, It has nice rules associated with it. Uh, Sometimes you can work alone. Uh, I know when I was teaching computer science, many of those students uh, hated to work in teams. So I would say that uh, I wouldn't be surprised by that statistic.
0: Now, why don't you give our audience... Some of the numbers, Laz, you sent me in your excellent summary.
1: If you look on the website of the government statistics, about 17% of the U.S. population is classified as disabled. And that includes all forms of disability, physical, mental, etc. And the number, uh, 17%, does not necessarily shock people. Um, but when you... Multiply that times the US population, you end up with 40 million people. That's a lot of people. And more so when you look at the employment statistics, there's 60 to 90% of that 40 million are either underemployed or not employed at all. And by underemployed, I mean somebody that is physically fit, that has a great, in many cases, high IQ. And it only has a little difficulty maybe with social interaction, ending up bagging groceries at a grocery store. That's underemployment. So uh, that's uh, a pretty shocking statistics. And that, again, led to the work that I did with the Uniquely Abled project.
0: Tell us about how it is that you do all that you're doing, which is so impressive, and you're not providing direct services. Explain that to our audience.
1: Well, the idea was to create something that would impact those 40 million people. And I do mean 40 million. I'm not limiting to autism, although that's where we started. Um, If you create an organization that serves a local population, like um, somebody may create a company that specializes in janitorial services or fulfillment or something like that, and focuses on hiring folks uh, in the autism spectrum, for example. That's great, but it's not scalable. And if you're gonna impact 40 million people, you have gotta create something that can be recreated across the country with a, not necessarily a lot of effort. And to do that, you gotta provide value to somebody who's willing to pay for it. That's a sustainable solution. And in general, you're talking about a business solution. You've got to come up with a solution that solves the 90% unemployment among those with autism and the same time solves a problem for business. Well, nice coincidence, the biggest problem that business has today is access to a skilled workforce. There's a very low unemployment rate, but there's difficulty getting to people that can perform the tasks that businesses want. So I said, maybe these two problems are solutions for each other. So I started looking at what was in the way of businesses hiring uh, people classified as disabled. And given my business experience, I got quickly realized, it's not a business decision to hire somebody who's disabled. You wanna hire, if you're a business decision is, to hire somebody who's able to fill a need that you have as a business. That's a business decision. Everything else is charity. And in fact, that's generally how we go to businesses today is we go and ask them to hire the handicap or bid, be good community citizens. But that's charity and that's not a sustainable solution. So the very word disabled gets in the way. And if one really looks at it, it's actually insulting. To be frank about it, as if all uh, there is to say about a person is is that they're missing certain capabilities. Like there's nothing else to them. Like here's a Joe and he's blind. Like that's all there is to Joe. Uh, as I said, my two children both are on the spectrum, and they got pretty clear to me that that's insulting. They don't want to be called disabled. They wanna don't want to be called anything, quite frankly, because um, that's putting them in a in a box. So I coined the term uniquely abled, which has us see things differently. And next question was, okay, um, we now need to look at um, matching unique abilities to career jobs in demand. So I'm not interested in helping people get jobs that are not in demand. And I'm not interested in helping people get jobs that aren't career jobs that are short-term, part-term jobs. They are pretty well handled already. There are structures out there which already do those jobs just fine. I'm interested in matching people to lifetime, well-paying career jobs. So there's two kinds of jobs. There's jobs that do not require prior training. These are typically relatively simple jobs. They're usually highly repetitive. And most businesses uh, require that even though you do things repetitively, you must maintain a high uh, focus on detail. You can't get sloppy about it. And that's difficult for most of us. Uh, There are other kinds of jobs which are repetitive, that may not require that. But these jobs in general do not require prior training. And then there's the other kind of jobs that do require prior training. And they're often involving operating machines or things like that. These require two different solutions to match uniquely able folks to jobs in demand. So let's take the jobs that do not require prior training first. The issue there is that the people whose job it is is to find jobs for uh, uniquely able folks Generally, most of their network is in retail businesses. So most of them come from a social work background, um, not necessarily a business background, and with the best of intentions, I mean, giving their life to going and taking care of uniquely able folks and helping them find a job and not necessarily getting paid a lot for for doing that job, Uh, there's nothing wrong with their motivation, but their connections are mainly in retail because that's what's easiest to get to if you don't know businesses. They don't necessarily know how to network in business. They don't know how to find the vacancies in business. So the first thing we had to deal with is training job developers on getting a business network of finding business vacancies, uh, finding out how to talk to people in business. And when I say business, I'm ex- I mean something different than retail. So in the, in the parlance of this, uh, a retail store we call B2C, business selling to consumers. Um, a B2B company is one that sells to other businesses. So, for example, a department store sells to consumer. That's B2C. Boeing sells to airlines. That's a B2B company. It turns out that most of your career jobs, well-paying, in-demand career jobs, are in B2B companies. The other thing we've got to deal with is the companies. Uh, Most companies don't realize how many of these repetitive jobs they have. And they don't realize that there's a population which loves those jobs. That's really hard for most of us to understand because most of us would hate such a job. And there's a population which loves those kind of jobs. So the other project we're involved is is educating companies that they got a lot of repetitive jobs, many of them not being done. They have high turnover in those jobs and that there's a population that loves them and uh, how to get in touch with the agencies that can provide those people.
0: I wanted to segue, if you will, to list and explain the nine required services from the Uniquely Able project point of view?
1: So the first thing is um, you've got to decide what diagnoses are you matching to what job? So what diagnosis has the unique abilities that match a particular job? So for example, um, I started with high functioning autism, and what's called a CNC machine operator. CNC is a computer numerically controlled machine. It's how a huge amount of manufacturing is being done today. And there's a huge unmet demand for CNC operators. So that met my criteria. There's a job in B2B, because those are manufacturing firms. It's in demand, it's well-paying, and it's a perfect match for those with high-functioning autism. So that was the first step. And then what you need to do is be able to select people for that particular job. Uh, You have to make sure they have the diagnosis, but that's usually not sufficient. You've got to make sure that they can exist inside the manufacturing environment that you're talking about. Could be noisy, could be oily and dirty. It uh, might involve working with other people or might working alone. Uh, There's a a number of characteristics that one needs to pay attention to in doing that match. Um, The next thing uh, requirement was financial support. Uh, I'm a parent of two kids with autism. The programs, uh, despite government support, um, the programs are often very expensive. Um, And so... Uh, there's a program local program here which is very good it's $30,000 a year for 3 years most parents can't afford that and so i was determined from day 1 that the career education program that we set up did not require the parents to pay anything so financial support was really important now it turns out that there's a uh, many organizations particularly government organizations who are responsible for employment of the Uniquely Abled um, are very interested in a successful employment program because that fulfills their job, what they're up to. And so what we created was a Uniquely Abled Academy, which I will describe in a bit, but the cost of that academy is very, very small compared to the cost of maintaining uh, an individual as a client. Of that government agency, so our experience so far from government agencies has been this is wonderful for them, and likewise, there's a lot of foundations and uh, other organizations who are very interested in supporting uh, solutions that have people uniquely able people get good employment. So financial support is a, uh, a second requirement. The third one is you got to have the technical skills training. So you got to have some place for that are Uh, training people, for example, to be a CNC operator. We've been looking primarily at community colleges uh, because at least in the Los Angeles area, uh, they have recognized that as a need and have established CNC training programs because they have to have the machine, you have to have the instructors and so on. So generally we've been building what we call the Uniquely Abled Academy around an existing technical skills program. Um, so you've just sort of got to find that. We're not going to establish that. The third, the next thing is you've got to train the instructors how to train this population. For example, if you're going to train folks with autism, generally you want to lay out a roadmap. Generally, you want to be very clear and specific. Generally, you want to give them multiple ways of learning material, not just verbally. Uh, they often need to see it, feel it, experience it. Uh, as part of the learning experience. So we have to train the instructors how to train that population. We've been doing that generally in about three hour uh, evening session. It's not that difficult, but it needs to be done. Then you need to have a job readiness training. So again, for people with autism, that usually needs uh, some kind of soft skills training. Uh, How to prepare a resume, how to do the interviews, which are almost always required. How do you operate in a business environment, which many of them had not experienced? You have to have training to do that um, and and deal with such issues as you're working at your machine, your intent. a, A fellow worker comes up to you and wants to chit chat. How do you handle that? in a way that doesn't anger your coworker, You can't just say, I'm busy now, I can't talk, which would probably be the natural reaction of many people with a diagnosis. So we have to train them how to do that. So that gets them all the education part. And then you have to have the job search and placement. So somebody has to go off and uncover the, uh, the uh, vacancies, uh, be able to talk to the businesses, to be able to, have them see. We're not trying to have them hire the handicap. We're actually coming in with a, the offer of a valuable employee to fill a, a much needed uh, vacancy that they have. They don't need the vacancy. They need somebody to fill the vacancy. Uh, so we're really coming in as somebody who, with a solution to a problem the business person has. But somebody's got to do that. And generally, the the our population doesn't know how to do that. Um, So then you have to coach the the potential employer how to select. The normal selection process um, for most businesses is to put them through an intense interview. Now for folks with autism, that's usually a very um, traumatic experience and they don't do well. Uh, Many people with, uh, many of your HR uh, people don't know anything about autism. So the normal behavior of somebody with autism, uh, they may misinterpret. For example, uh, they may ask the person a question, and in asking that question, answering that question, the person with autism might not look in their eyes. They might look like what I'm doing right now, uh, not looking directly at them because it's usually too intense for a person with autism. The HR person may interpret that as they're lying, and they failed to get the job so we got to train employers how to select Um, and generally we suggest they not go through an intensive HR interview unless the HR people have been educated a little bit as to what to look for Uh, and again that's not necessarily a big deal but it has to be done Um, so eighth we need to coach the employers how to onboard and to manage Now again, that doesn't turn out to be a big deal. Uh, The existing um, uh, uniquely able folks that we've placed, uh, both in terms of those without prior training and those with, uh, they went through the standard onboarding process that the company had. Uh, What was different is there was almost always, not always, a job coach present. So the job coach could help explain uh, and answer some of the questions uh, associated with the onboarding. Um, and that was very useful um, in that part. And then the last thing, the ninth thing you need is post-hire support. And that varies um, all over the block with the individual. In general, again, for the population we've been dealing with, the there's more support needed at the beginning during the transition because people with autism often hate transitions, deal with the difficulty, so they need support. But generally, in all the cases we've seen, the job coach fades out, and in less than a year, and it varies from individual to individual, but generally in less than a year, um, maybe six to nine months often, the job coach is either not present at all or maybe comes by one hour a week or one hour every other week. It's not a big deal so far. So those are the nine functions that there's no one organization that provides all those functions. Uh, for every one of those functions, I can point to at least one organization that does it, but nobody provides it all. And therefore, there's no single program that provides all those functions. And therefore, we have a real lack of career education facilities for the Uniquely able. So we created a structure called the Uniquely Abled Academy. And that's all it is. It's not a legal entity. It's a structure in which organizations can collaborate to provide all nine functions. We call that again a uniquely abled academy. And we've got two academies running now. We have another seven in planning for this year, and we have a hundred percent placement in those that have graduated, um, and they are doing extraordinarily well. That's the structure of. E- Uniquely Able Academy, it takes uh, about six to nine months to establish an academy around an existing skills training facility, um, and there's a ma- we've written a manual on how to do that. And Generally, that starts with a small meeting at the educational facility. Uh, get, they decide how those nine functions are going to be provided, what organizations are going to be invited, And those organizations get invited to an initial formation project team meeting. And then from then on, they generally meet monthly. And it takes, as I say, about six to nine months to the first class. We have two uniquely abled academies for CNC operator training uh, in existence. Uh, They have graduated 37 uh, folks between them. And we have 100% placement. Think about these 37 folks, and I'm not talking even about the folks now that have got jobs that do not require prior training, but the same experience, they all of a sudden are the best at what they're doing. And that's really hard to get. Uh, Some of the employers have said, one said, for example, after two and a half weeks, he's equal to or better than the best CNC operator I've ever had. And by the way, I should tell you that the Uniquely Abled Academy program on CNC operators takes 16 weeks, so we're not talking about a three-year program. Uh, that's because uh, folks with autism are so naturally uh, uh, matched to CNC operator; it's really easy. So, and uh, in other cases, uh, one uh, HR director said uh, they learn in weeks what other people take months to learn, and in places they give them raises before they normally will. So it's very very successful it's not just finding a job but finding a job that you can excel at that is good paying because it's in demand and it gives you a career and there's lots of career steps one can take um, from being a CNC operator
0: how can our audience uh, learn more about the uniquely abled project and how can people get involved with the uniquely abled project
1: okay um, so how they can learn more uh, is really two ways. One, they can go on to our website, uh, uniquelyabledproject.org, pretty easy. And there's a huge amount of information on there, including a number of videos, which uh, do a, a good job on explaining and showing the process. The other thing they can do uh, if they want to learn more is to subscribe to the uh, newsletter, which comes out. Quarterly and that keeps people posted on what's going on and you can do that again through the website if you're a organization that provides job placement uh, and capabilities and services Then you may want to conduct uh, have us conduct a job developer workshop in your area. It's generally it's a one-day workshop It's not that expensive. Um and we generally want to have somewhere between 15 and 20 people in the workshop. And they almost never come from the same organization. So we have one in an area and a whole bunch of people get invited to it. So if you're interested in that, uh, contact us through the Uniquely Abled Academy, or Excuse me, the Uniquely Able Project website. You may also be interested in the Uniquely Abled Academy, whether you're a parent or a business or an educational facility or a government facility, you can get one started. And all you have to do there, again, is to contact me through the website or through my uh, email address. It's IRosenberg at uniquelyabledproject.org. And uh, that's all you have to do, and we'll get you started. And as I said, um, you don't have to know anything except you want to do this. Uh, As I said, we had a parent in Massachusetts, and all she knew was she had a son in, his, in her, his early 20s, and she thought this would be a great program for him. And I coached her by phone. I've never been to visit her. And uh, they are now looking for an instructor. They have everything set to go. And once they find that instructor, she will have an operating uniquely ABLE Academy and CNC operator training in the Boston area. So it can be done.
0: Ivan, it's been a pleasure to have you here at differentbrains.org. Keep up the great work you're doing at the Uniquely able Project, and we hope you'll be back soon.
1: I will. I'll be delighted to be back. And thank you for all you're doing for the Uniquely able population.
0: Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.